You're listening to Fafelanda for Legal News. Uh, today we're going to talk to Rehu Marakala and Janis Ulifi. Rehu will firstly deal with an interesting court case regarding an application for an interdict to prevent cause to prayer, which is a alleged uh, audible in the building of neighboring houses across the street in Durban. So we'll tell you what the court found in that regard and whether the court indeed granted the interdict to stop those calls to prayer happening. And uh, the second one then is the question as to what farmers should know about transporting farm workers and the law. So please stay tuned for that one as well. You're listening to From Fair Legal News here on Waterberg Stereo. I'm talking to Rechel Marakala, also from uh, from Fair Duffy. My name is Volker Kruger. We've uh, talked to uh, Rechel a couple of times before, and uh, this time also I think uh, we've got quite an interesting case where an application was brought for an interdict against a religious institution to ensure that its cause to prayer are not audible in the building of a neighbor's house across the street, who was obviously uh, disturbed by those calls uh, to prayer. And he felt that that is not acceptable. And he then, uh, I think, approached the court. So am I right, uh, Richard? Those are more or less the facts? Yes, yes, Volker. That is indeed what uh, transpired in summary, Volker. Okay. Um, any other relevant facts or can you then tell us what the court found? Um, actually, Volker, um, the judgment goes into deep of the history of the matter um, where um, a neighbor, um, I think uh, the judgment captures it uh, since 2004 and so forth, you know, um, that there's been always these complaints with the, um, the call to prayer. Um, so Madrasa, it's a, it's it's a learning institution for uh, Muslims in in Durban, um, and it was established sometime in uh, 1998, Volker, and uh, they always had this call for prayer. Even the South African Human Rights Commission, they at some point tried to mediate the matter, but unfortunately, the, the mediation, you know, it failed until uh, he, he started to approach the court and he represented himself uh, personally uh, for in this matter. So the court had to decide that question as to whether or not they should grant this interdict um, that uh, <clears throat> the call to prayer uh, for Oka does not uh, disturb uh, um, his area because it was he was he was basically complaining about it to say that it is too much noise for me. I mean, I have the right to property, Falker. Yeah, I guess on the one hand, the neighbor has the right to enjoy his property uh, free from disturbance from the neighboring uh, owners, but on the on the other hand, I guess there's a right to religious freedom, etc. That might be at stake. So, so what did the court finds who won the case? Did they grant the interdict and uh, order um, the cause to prayer not to disturb the neighbors? Yes, Volker. Um, that's exactly what the court ordered, um, that uh, certain remedies should be undertaken and that the noise should be in a <clears throat> not that loud. Um, simply put, Volker, 
interdict was granted. Uh, but Falker, you recall that there's a very uh, uh, contentious article that has been written by Perry DeVos, um, professor, um, and he's basically um, crystallizing to say that the court was wrong to have granted that order. And there are certain uh, loopholes within the court order and those things were not addressed, um, particularly uh, for uh, the issues such as the right of um, religion and the practices of religion and culture for uh, in that particular regard. So in his article, he goes on to, to say that, but the, the court was uh, misguided about certain things. You know, there's certain aspects that you should consider. Um, and it's not necessarily about the right to property Falker, and there should be some form of a balance between the two rights Falker, and that is exactly what the court uh, failed to take into consideration Falker. And I think to a certain extent, his view is is, is justified uh, Falker. Okay, so I guess there might be an appeal against the judgment. Poker, there is, there will be a possibility of, of, of an appeal for because there's certain things that the judgments, uh, the judgment does not deal with. You know, Falker, it's uh, similar to, you know, when we were still, when I was still in primary school, um, um, they always say that, you know, a, a sentence um, ends with a full stop, you know. Um, if there's a comma, then, uh, one can never know what is the conclusion of that sentence. So when in judgment sometimes, you know, for, uh, they do not address all of the issues um, that uh, should be dealt with, it opens doors for, um, for an appeal. And that's normally what, uh, what, what most likely will transpire in this matter, Falker. Okay. Yeah, so if there's an appeal, then obviously the outcome might be different, but at this stage, I don't know, what advice could you give to um, the listeners who might also have some noisy neighbors? Let's say you unfortunately stay next to some uh, students uh, in a house who have a big party every night and cause a lot of noise and disturbance. Can you get an interdict to prevent them from doing that? Yes, Volker, yes, Volker. I remember there was a time when we were discussing I think it was the case that had to do with um, a neighbor who complained of a golf course um, that every time, you know, he bought a property close to a golf course and he's always complaining his windows are always broken by these golf balls and stuff like that. And he approached the court uh, and on that particular time, Falker, we discussed uh, as to what would you need to prove in order to get an interdict, you know, to stop uh, uh, a very bad neighbor, Falker, um, yes. and that is you must have, you know, a prima facie right. Basically, you must have some some right that you can show to the court that I'm not just coming here to complain about some no right that does not exist, Falker, and there should be some form of a harm that is experienced by you, and that the balance of convenience sort of as if that um, if this order is not granted in your favor, um, what will be the prejudice that will be suffered? And that there's no other alternative remedy, you know. Similarly to this case, uh, the court did note that there won't be any other alternative remedy and it will be a stupid excuse or rather a clumsy argument to say that, but you can always go buy property elsewhere. It, it, it simply does not work like that, Falker. So the best advice would be that um, one can always uh, 
take certain steps to approach the courts, um, fitting all those requirements. Obviously, the lawyers will be able to tell you um, the whole process that is supposed to be followed uh, and so forth. So it is possible for, I mean, many people always complain about this, um, but sometimes it won't be granted. Let's say, for instance, Falka, um, there's a there's a club, um, and I'm renting at a at a in town a CBD, and there's a club downstairs and stuff like that. The possibility is that they they won't grant that interdict because it will be the whole argument to say that you cannot fight your right will not um, it will clash with a right and permission that is already granted you know sort of like a club is supposed to get a liquor license and all those things and if let's say for purposes of zoning that particular area is specially created um, for, for those particular factors so the court might not be happy with that but if there's already a bigger right um, that is already granted by let's say a licensee holder to um, operate a special business such as this, um, it will be various factors that will be taken into consideration. And I guess in a lot of cases, reasonableness will be the overriding criteria. Now, it's often difficult to lay down any hard and fast uh, rules. I think in general, the court will always look at the um, obligations of both neighbors and the needs of both neighbors, and then it's a bit of a balancing act. Leaf in lad leaf, Zealand Afrikaans. Uh, obviously, you're entitled to enjoy the uh, property and uh, to use uh, the property for whatever you purchased it for. But on the other hand, you've got to consider your neighbors as well. So if you maybe play one loud song once a week because you enjoy the music, it's not the end of the world and you'll probably not get an interdict against that owner. But if he does, you know, so every night for a couple of hours, then it's a different matter. No? So, um, yeah, I guess... Uh, it very much depends on the circumstances of the particular case as to whether you will be indeed successful with uh, getting an interdict. All right. Thank you, uh, Rico, for that. My name is Falke Kruger. You're listening to Van Ferndafi Legal News here on Waterberg Stereo. I've got uh, Janis Ullifried again with me from uh, the same uh, firm. And we're going to deal with a question that we received here on the transport um, of farm workers and the law. In other words, the question is, what should farmers know in terms of transporting their farm workers, for example, on the back of a pickup or a bucky or a truck or whatever? So, Janis, uh, please help us. Yeah, thank you, Volker. Um, I want to start off today's discussion with, I guess, a bit of a disclaimer, just to tell the listeners that I am in, in no way an expert in this field. But I did do some research and I'm going to try and answer this question to the best of my abilities. Um, I think in Afrikaans, so many sugar can say that ek is now net belese op hierdie onderwerp. Um, although I don't have any practical um, experience, but be that as it may, I think the, the legislation is quite clear. And there are, in my opinion, two pieces of legislation which I deem relevant here. Firstly being the National Land Transport Act. And the other one is the National Road Traffic Act. So in terms of the National Land, uh, Land Transport Act, rather, you may not operate a, a road-based public transport service without an operating license or a permit. So there are two very relevant points in this regard. Firstly, if, if you have a look at the definition of a public transport service, 
um, as it is then defined in this National Land, Land Transport Act. It talks about the transfer of passengers for a fare or a consideration or a reward. Um, the first thing that springs to mind there are your taxis and your buses. So they must have an operating license, as we all know, and that is then in terms of this National Land Transport Act. Um, based on this, I'm of the opinion that if you transfer passengers free of charge, then you are obviously not busy with a public transport service as defined in the Act, and you don't require an operating permit. The second important aspect here is actually in terms of Section 53 of this Act, it specifically says that an operating license is actually not required for farmers who are carrying their workers in, in vehicles of which the farmers are the sole owners. And so there's a specific inclusion catered for in the Act as well. Then moving on to the National Road Traffic Act, um, this Act also refers to um, in, in Section 250 that you may not once again convey any persons in the goods department of a vehicle for any reward. Now that goods department obviously would refer to the back of your bucky as we all know that. Um, it, by the way, also says that under no circumstances may you ever transfer school children in the goods department of a motor vehicle. Uh, maybe some listeners would find that interesting as well. Um, something else that must be taken note of in the National Road Traffic Act is Section 247, which says that if you do convey persons on a public road in the goods department of your vehicle, and they are seated, for example, in the back of your bucky, they must be enclosed to a height of at least 350 millimeters, in other words, 35 centimeters, measured from the surface where such person then sits. And if they are standing whilst you are conveying them, then they must be enclosed to a height of at least 900 millimeters, in other words, just, just below or just less than a meter. Once again, that is measured from the surface. 35 centimeters is actually not very high, no? that's just a little bit longer than a ruler. No? So I guess uh, most normal buckies would comply with that, no? Yeah, I haven't checked, Volker, but I would assume most buckies comply with that. Obviously, you must then, then sit on, on the back of the bucky and not on the, on the edge. I would say, as you often see, you're going to get a fine, in my opinion, based on this then. Yeah, so if they sit on an edge uh, of the bucky or if they stand on the bucky, uh, then I guess you would have a problem with the normal height of uh, of that. No? Uh, then it yeah. would have to be 900 millimeters, in other words, 90 centimeters, which is about three rulers. No? Um, so, yeah, I think that's an important difference. So, so if uh, a farmer, um, you know, drives with his farm workers on the back of the bucky and they sit and it's a normal bucky with a height of uh, um, of the edge, uh, with a height of more than 35 uh, centimeters, no, yeah, it's important. They must then sit on, on the bed of the bucky. Um, I think that is why you always, they, they always say don't sit on the edge of the bed there because uh, that 35 centimeter rule, it's measured from the surface where you sit. So even though it is enclosed 35 centimeters or 350 millimeters, you're actually not, not sitting on, on, on the bed of the bucky. So it's important in that regard, yeah. Um, maybe something else that is important, if you then so transfer persons in, in the goods department, they may not be conveyed together with any tools or goods, which is often the case. You'd have your workers on the back of the bucky 
together with whatever tools they might require to, to do the job and where you are transferring them to. And the Act specifically says that you may not convey them together with the tools or any tools or goods unless it is um, some of their personal effects, like, for example, a bag with their clothes in or um, I suppose lunch would, would, would fall under that category as well. Um, if you want to transfer your passengers together with your tools, then you must actually have a partition that separates the, the, the portion from where the individuals uh, sit and the portion that where the goods are conveyed. So that's also something that must be taken note of that I don't think a lot of people know. And I've actually never heard of this being um, you know, applied by, by, by legislation or by traffic cops. Um, but yeah, there, there are a lot of intricacies in the acts. For obvious safety reasons, no? I guess it makes sense if there's a you know, someone that has to brake quickly or even if there's a collision and, and there is some equipment on the back of the bucky, then obviously the workers can get seriously injured. No? So, um, yeah, I, I think most uh, farmers do actually make sure that their workers do sit, uh, you know, on the bucky at, uh, um, and, and not on the edge. So I guess there we're fine. But I think from time to time you do see some farmers conveying their workers with some equipment at the back, and that's then actually a problem, no? Yeah, that, that, that is definitely a problem. And as you mentioned, Volker, that's a safety concern. If something should happen or you are in a collision and now there's a bunch of tools flying around as well, um, it, it can cause some serious injury, which shouldn't be, which shouldn't be the case. I'm not really sure to what extent it, you would uh, prevent that injury if you just have a partition in place. But yeah, that's what the Act wants. And I can surely understand um, their reasoning behind this requirement. Yeah, and apart from the obligation to comply with the Act to make sure that you don't get a traffic fine, I guess there would also be the reason that you could be sued by your employee if you are now injured uh, because of that, no? because you didn't make sure that there's a petitioning to protect the employees from that equipment on the back of the bucky. So that would obviously be another important reason to more rather make sure that they are safe and uh, that the uh, uh, equipment is either conveyed separately or safely on the back of the bucky with the petitioning. Yeah, most definitely, Falcon. You're going to run a risk there of being sued. I agree. Okay. All right. So I guess that, in essence, is the message to the farmers. So you can convey your workers on the back of the bucky, but make sure that your bucky complies with uh, the requirements that we explained now, the 35 centimeters, uh, etc., and then also that they do sit, then it shouldn't stand. If they do stand, then you've got to have the 900 millimeter side uh, uh, cover that uh, protects them uh, properly. And if there is equipment that you're conveying, that should actually be uh, safely separated from the workers with the petitioning to make sure that they do not get injured if there's a collision or if someone breaks uh, quickly or whatever might happen on the road. Thank you, Janus. That's all we have uh, time for today. Remember, our email address is info at vvd.co.za. Thanks for uh, listening. Uh, make sure that you tune in again next week, Wednesday, between 3 o'clock and 4 o'clock, and then also on Friday evenings.